Christ is risen. I love that ancient greeting of the early church. Christ is risen. And of course, the response is, he is risen indeed. That sounds much more spiritual and theological than Happy Easter. Not that that's a bad greeting. I've used it, Happy Easter. But wishing you joyful Easter greetings here from the Augustine Institute. We're thrilled. We're still in the octave of Easter, which means Easter isn't over yet. So if you think Easter is just one day, you're missing out. It's much more than that. In fact, tonight, we're going to talk about the spirituality of Easter. And I know many Catholics are pretty good at guessing what the spirituality of Lent is. We have a whole idea of what the spiritual practices are for Lent, what we should do. But what's your spirituality for Easter? Have you thought about that? You know, Easter is actually more important in the liturgical year and theologically for the church. In fact, the Easter season, Easter tide is the old phrase for it. Easter tide is actually 50 days longer than the 40 days for Lent. Why is that? And what should be your spiritual discernment, spiritual practices? How are you to have an Easter spirituality? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Well, we've got a special guest tonight that I'm very excited to have joining us, and it's Father Brian Larkin. He's the pastor at Our Lady of Lords Parish here in Denver, Colorado. He's a native of Colorado, and uh, I knew him uh, when I was teaching at the seminary, and even before that, he was a uh, focus missionary, and I got to know him there when I was doing training for focus missionaries. And it's just a great joy to see Father Brian. Many of you have heard him during the COVID lockdowns. We uh, had his mass on formed, and so I know a lot of you wrote how much you really enjoyed and loved and were edified by his homilies because he brought a deep biblical spirituality, a deep sense of the heart of Christ into his preaching. And tonight, we're going to talk about Easter, and I think it's appropriate. Obviously, we're just a few days into Easter here. We're going to talk about the Easter octave, but the idea that Easter is a season, I think a lot of Catholics forget that, don't know that. I think a lot of Christians just simply don't recognize that Easter is a season that's actually bigger than Lent. Right. Happy Easter. <laughs> Christ is risen. <laughs> he is risen indeed. Exactly. It is. It's a great time to be um, just filled with that joy. And I, I remind people of that every year that Easter is longer than Lent. Um, Pope Francis has that great line where he talks about how some Catholics live as if their life is a perpetual Lent. Mm. Um, but really, Lent sets us up for the greater joy of Easter and to live in the fullness of the risen Christ. Uh, and in the octave, like one full day that, that extends eight days, uh, a joyful, wonderful time. You know, there's two octaves in the liturgical year that we celebrate for eight octave coming from the idea of eight. So it's an eight day long feast. And then we have Christmas, of course, which lasts eight days. And I think, again, people think of Christmas as just December 25th and they shorten. I think right. here's the beauty. The church celebrates these feasts over eight days because you can't capture the mystery of Easter in one day. You really can. So the idea is that there's a solemnity for eight days extended for Easter. And I think, you know, I, you can't get Easter in one homily, really. I mean, it's so hard to preach Easter. It's the fullness of everything it means. Uh, you could spend a lifetime studying, of course, and we really do need to dive deeper and deeper into that. And as you know, the New Testament has so many themes that kind of come together and are drawn out when Jesus rises from the dead. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's a climax of you. you as I think of priests, recently I was just thinking about this, Father Brian, that as a layperson, you're trying to enter into Holy Week and it's intense. There's things to read, spirituality right. for East, as Holy Week goes on, and then you get Holy Thursday, which is really intense, then Good Friday, then uh, the, the silence, trying to enter into the silence of Holy yep. Saturday. How, is, how does a priest, how do you prepare for that transition from the intensity of Holy Week and Lent to all of a sudden now, I'm not just turning the, you know, to a new day, a new liturgy, and you're exhausted already from, you know, it's like right. a week of Sundays in terms of work, but right. how do you transition spiritually into Easter Sunday, into the vigil that night before? Yeah, you collapse. First <laughs> exactly. You collapse. No, I think I think one of the things that helps me so much because there's there's such an emotional intensity to Holy Week, mm. and I love the Holy Week liturgies and the Triduum. It's so beautiful. But one of the things that helps me is our neophytes, mm. and so our newly minted Christians. Um, so I teach my RCIA class at my parish, and watching them get baptized and confirmed, and especially when they receive the Eucharist, wow. you're able to enter into their joy. Mm -hmm. And we had um, a great RCIA class this year. It was, and so I've walked with them all year, and I think during Holy Week, you want to feel the cross, and you're praying about how do you give, how do you have one sermon on the crucifixion? Yeah. How, do, how do you do that? Right. And you try your best, uh, and I usually fail, <laughs> but then you Agreed. enter into Easter. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But then you come out the other side, and um, there's a release, but there's just a joy. There's a joy of entering into the church's um, just her happiness at the Lord drawing us into His resurrection. I want to pick up on that theme of the joy of this Easter season and all that. But first of all, I want to remind everybody, text us your questions. You know, we have our text line, which is 720-650-0100. And let us know questions you have on the spirituality of Easter, the liturgy of Easter, any of the questions you have about Easter season. We'd love to hear your questions be part of the show. And also, you can leave comments and questions on the form platform under the comment section on forms. So, uh, where the show is. So please join our conversation. We want to hear the, your questions. Well, Father Brian, you know, as I said in the opening, Catholics have a, a, just an innate sense of what penitential spirituality is for Lent. But do you think most people understand what the spirituality is for Easter? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I think, honestly, even some of us as priests, I think I can forget that sometimes, that we do, we do have a Easter spirituality that, honestly, I think should be the center of our life as Christians. Mm -hmm. And Lent, uh, penance and repenting for our sins, curbing our passions, those are so important. But Christianity is more about a yes than a no. Wow. Uh, and so I think Lent should really drive us to think deeper about what what is that spirituality of Easter? Do you, you know, it's, it's interesting. I love how you describe it, that you know, Lent is kind of the no, what we have to say no to, but Easter yeah. is what we have to say yes to. And it's probably easier at the beginning of the spiritual life to identify with that Lenten season versus the Easter season. Why do yep. you think that is? I think that, that's a good question. I think that so many of us were conscious of our sins. Mm -hmm. And yep. I think in so many um, lives, what we need to do, the hardest things in Christianity are the simplest. Mm -hmm. Does God really love me? Uh, I know he loves other people. I know he loves people in my pews. Uh, can I really accept that his mercy is for me, that his love is for me, and his victory real? I think mm. that's a big part of this Easter spirituality mm. is that Jesus has conquered. Yeah. Uh, 
And so oftentimes in our lives, I think we have a sense that we're defeated. Uh, mm -hmm. But do we experience this kind of sense of, no, in Christ I have conquered, and he has conquered over sin and death, and that I have a share in that victory that he achieved. I think that's so important for people to focus on Christ here, because it's one of the things about Happy Easter, it's kind of like Happy Holidays, it's kind of generic. Right. Christ has risen, that ancient greeting of the early Christians, Christ has risen is there's a joy that as I'm meeting a fellow Christian, and during this Easter season, I say, Christ is risen. You say, he is risen indeed. We're sharing the joy of our faith yeah. that Jesus has been victorious over sin and death, yeah. and therefore he's risen from the dead. And that gives us joy and hope. Absolutely. And I think, I know in my own life, <clears throat> it's easy to look at the negatives, mm -hmm. right? Priests all know that for every 10 people that say, Father Brian, that was an amazing homily. Usually not you. But the <laughs> one person, <laughs> yeah, but for some reason, I think part of original sin is we hear critiques louder than we hear the yeah. good. Um, you know, there's a great psychologist, uh, sociologist, Roy Baumeister, and he has the, a book called The Power of Bad. Mm. And that people hear bad news compared to good news of the equal weight four times at least. Uh, we, bad news stands out to us. I think mine's five. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a bit melancholic. I'm a melancholic. So. But I think of, you know, the Easter just victory. Yeah. And if you read the New Testament, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, mm. I, I even think of Romans 5, which isn't as much of a uh, resurrection chapter, but, but, but it's, it's there. But it's there. Yeah, I it's agree there. with you. Yeah. It's not like Jesus barely won. Mm. And Colossians 2 as well. But there's this mm. sense in the New Testament that... There's this overwhelming victory. And all of creation is caught up into that. Mm. And it wasn't this kind of equal match. Jesus has no rival. Mm. He has no one who can stand up to him. Um, he is victorious. And even just saying that right now, gosh, yeah, that, it's, that's it's so such encouraging, isn't it? Well, yeah. you know, and I know people get so discouraged by news that we have in the world. You know, there's lots of struggles, obviously this COVID pandemic that's hopefully mm. we're reaching towards the end of that. But um, there's political, social unrest and people get so discouraged and discouraged. And I think our Christian faith in the resurrection is to reground us to the ultimate reality, right? Mm. And I think that's something that can be part of our spirituality of, of Easter. Yeah, yeah, to, to focus on what is above. Mm. Not what is here on earth, but the ultimate things. I, one of the things that gives me peace, uh, sometimes when I get stressed out and I think, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. How do I deal with this problem or that problem? I think about 100 years from now. Mm. You know? Yeah. And 100 years from now. Gives you perspective. 100 years, none of that will matter. What will matter is if I have shared in the resurrection of Christ. Mm. And that's it. I love the idea of the... Uh, as you talk about Easter being the spirituality of yes to God mm. and, and the victory of Jesus. And the idea that we celebrate the victory of Jesus longer than we do Lent. Yes. There's something about that, that our, the accent mark has to fall on Easter. And I guess one of the practical questions people have is in their homes as a family, how, are, how, how do they celebrate Easter? How do, they, how do they live that spirituality of Easter in the home? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things is lots of ice cream. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's always good. You just made I, my wife's night. She's yeah, going to love that answer. My kids in my parish love that too. Um, 
I do think. But, that, but you're not totally kidding here. It's the idea is we, we fast, but now we feast, right? Amen. There's to be a, there's to be this feasting, in anticipation of the great heavenly banquet. But we're celebrating Christ. Amen. And you know, and that's that's one of the things you you can't feast if you don't fast. Mm -hmm. In my uh, Easter vigil homily, I mentioned that you know water never tastes so good as if you've been in the desert for a long mm -hmm. time. Uh, and those who have wrestled with the problem of death. To see it vanquished in Christ, mm. there is a joy and a celebration that you can have that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, during the Easter season, a wonderful thing for us to do is simply to read the resurrection accounts. Mm. Uh, if you read them slowly and prayerfully, they're, they're, they're usually pretty short. Um, some are longer. Luke 24, of course, is longer. Um, John 21 uh, has some longer kind of treatment there. But if you read them slowly and carefully, it's so beautiful. You think of with Mark's gospel, mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene, the heart that just comes alive when she see, when Jesus calls her by name, mm -hmm. Mary. And I was thinking about that this week. Jesus turns to her and he calls her by name. And you just think of Mary Magdalene and how her heart must have just come alive in that moment. Yeah. Um, what a great thing to do during Easter time. No, it, it really, it really is. And I, I love, you know, I always think of, John has this in, in uh, it, it, the resurrection series where Jesus calls Mary by her name. And mm -hmm. then she, she doesn't identify him at first. She misunderstands, the mistakes him for the gardener. Yeah. And then he calls her by name and then she recognizes him as Rabboni, you know, rabbi, teacher, master. But in earlier, in, I think it's in John 10, Jesus says, you know, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know me and I will call them by name and the, and the sheep will recognize the shepherd, right? Yeah. And uh, so you can make that beautiful connection. But you know, uh, other ways that people can celebrate this. I, I like the idea of uh, feasting. This is, so there's lots of desserts, during, especially during the Easter octave for us. Right. Um, and this idea of reading the gospel narrative. So what we meditate on needs to be joy filled yes. and focused. So that's going to be important. And then um, you mentioned joy earlier. Let's talk about joy because I think that's one of the things that Mother Teresa of Calcutta was really big, that Christians have to be, joy is the net by which we catch the world. And if we've done a poor job of evangelizing, maybe we've done a poor job of being joyful, and the right. way to get back on that is to get back at being Easter Christians. Yeah, I think that's right on. And again, the, the deepest truths, and sometimes the hardest truths of our faith are the simplest. Mm. Do you really know that your sins are forgiven in the blood of Christ? Mm. Um, can you really, one of my favorite meditations during Easter season, and I give this as a penance in the confessional oftentimes, is I ask people to spend one minute and imagine they're in the tomb mm. and they watch Jesus take his first breath. Wow. And to just watch his chest rise and that that's the moment that sin and death were conquered because of that first breath of Christ on Easter morning, uh, because of that, we will live forever. Mm. Um, and there's just this sense that frees me from fear of God, um, where we have the proper fear of God, but there is a sense that like, it's true. I really am loved. I really am redeemed in the blood of Christ. I really do have hope for eternity. So really one of the things for taking on the joy of Easter is humility. We need the meekness to accept 
God's love and forgiveness. I guess what he did on Good Friday, we have to accept that he did that for us. Mm -hmm. And then we can participate in the joy of Easter Sunday. Is that what? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's totally true. One of my, uh, there's a great quote from Sheldon Van Aken. Uh, and he says, the best cr proof of Christianity is Christians. Mm. Uh, their joy, their um, completeness. But he says, uh, the best proof against Christianity is unfortunately also Christians. Unhappy Christians. Yeah, and when yeah. they're joyless and somber. Yeah. Um, when I was a focused missionary back when we were first becoming friends, I remember we used to say there is no argument to joy. Mm. People will yeah. try to argue any point with you, but there is no argument against joy. You know, and that gets to one of the more difficult things when people hear us, okay, be joyful, this is a joyful season. But like, how do I have joy? And I think you already gave one element of that, and that is meditation on what Jesus' victory is. The more we yep. meditate and reflect on Jesus' victory and what this means, the more we can be joyful, right? Absolutely. And I think, how do you do that? How do you grow in joy? Well, a cue, I think, from St. Augustine is that Christianity is about the things that we love. And if I uh, hopefully don't misquote St. Thomas, St. Thomas mm -hmm. says joy is the possession of a good. Yeah. And if our good, if we make the good the center of our lives, if, if our good is Jesus, our good is not getting in the right lane on I-25, yeah. our good is not that we have perfect health, our good is not that we have money, yeah. but our good is Jesus, uh, we can possess that good. And, and for me, that's always helped me so much, is that the more I learn to love Christ, that He is my good, and that can bring me tremendous joy. Joy is really then the fruit of love. And the, the way we become more joyful is to become more loving. I think that's right. Well, I mean, how do you grow about, go about that in your life? How do you grow in joy? Well, you know, I, one of the things that strikes me is I, I uh, reflect on so far during this Easter season is the Lord wanting, um, you know, just feeling the call on my own part time, the Lord wanted me just to be joyful, to just abide in his love. Mm -hmm. and to be at peace. And I love what Jesus says, part of my reflection is one of the first things Christ says in the upper room repeatedly, the, and all the, you know, in, in Luke 24 and John 20, one of the most repeated, or I think the most repeated phrase of Jesus during his resurrection appearances is, is peace be with you, mm -hmm. right? But, and then we know that that's not just peace, absence of conflict, it's shalom. Right. It's, the, it's just this well-being, this great sense of well-being that leads to joy. And knowing that that's what my father where he wants me to live with him in that and to be more joyful um, is just really free. I'm like, wow, I just need to just accept that gift from Christ. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of my favorite verses, I know you love this one too, is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Mm. Um, and this is very Easter. Is, um, one of the things that brings me down sometimes is I get down on my own sins and my failings and I didn't do this well enough or that well enough. Um, and 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm -hmm. The old has passed away, the new has come. And when we turn our hearts to the Lord, he can do that. Yeah. And he can say, Brian, uh, I always tell my parish, I don't think God usually calls me Father Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. So God, you know, I would I envision him speaking to me in prayer. He says, Brian, I can make you a new mm. creation. Mm. The old can pass away mm. and the new can come. And I don't need that just once in my life. I need that 
over yeah. and over and over again. That's why I think it's so important for us during the octave and during these 50 days of Eastertide, we can't absorb this good news and this love and this joy mm -hmm. in one day. The right. church gives us a season to enter more deeply into it and reflect on it repeatedly, day in and day out. Now, Edmund asks um, online here, you know, I knew certain actions I could do for my penances during Lent. What are the actions I should be doing during Easter? Hmm. Yeah, there's a, a ton of different answers you could give to that. I think one that carries over from Lent into Easter is still almsgiving. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously a, a practice the church calls us to during Lent, but I think of almsgiving because the Lord's goodness and his mercy is so abundant, mm -hmm. and in the resurrection, everything overflows, that how could we not say, I need to share my joy. Yeah. I am poor before God, and he has lavished his richness upon me, and I just need to share. I actually haven't given all my alms from Lent yet. I've been storing them up, and I actually have a drawer in my office, uh, and I'm so excited to give that out. Yeah. And it just feels like I'm spreading the wealth of Easter. The blessings of Easter. So you're basically saying for Easter season, we should be dedicated to prayer, almsgiving, and feasting. <laughs> <laughs> so the, that I love is it such it, a Tim Gray joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, you know, it's, we, we're so accustomed to, I, I, we are accustomed in our habits, I think, and, and I, I love that question, to we've got certain things we can do action-wise. Obviously, almsgiving can go into Easter, but I think one of the things, obviously, feasting can go into Easter. Yes. But, you know, prayer obviously can continue into Easter and joyful prayer. But I, I think, you know, I always like to, my spiritual director always makes me do a, a practical resolution at the end of my daily prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, what I'm going to do that day. Mm -hmm. And I think those practical resolutions start to take on uh, the practical element of Easter, whereas maybe in Lent, some of those practical resolutions might be fasting or giving up or sacrificing those no's that you talked about. But those actions maybe could be yeses, like how can I, how can I be cheerful? Uh, and how can I make other people cheerful yep. and show joy? So I'm going to, you know, people could do things like, I know people would call people to just patch up old relationships during Lent. Well, now you can call and be joyful to somebody and just try to cheer somebody up mm -hmm. and choose somebody every day. You know, those practical kinds of things. I always think that having a sense of in the home, my wife does a great job of lots of lilies, you know, and lots of flowers. We don't do flowers during Lent except on the solemnities of the Annunciation and St. Joseph. Joseph yeah. But now Easter season, the house should smell like flowers, especially during the octave, right? Yeah. There's these flowers to remind us this is a time of new creation. This is a time of joy. So that's another practical way. I love that. I think also psalms of praise. Yeah. Um, sometimes when we praise God, our community that I'm a part of, part of our prayer together is just vocally praising God. Mm. And sometimes I don't know what to say. Mm. Sometimes we get before God and we don't know how to tell him how we feel, our words stumble. So sometimes I'll pick out a psalm, like Psalm 145, yeah. uh, and I'll just praise God with the words of the psalmist. That's a great, I, I love, because you know, we talk about the seven penitential psalms, which we mm -hmm. hear during Lent, but now there's these Easter psalms. So let's list a couple practically for people to use to pray. So you can write these down and pray these psalms for your spiritual time, over the, especially during the octave. And so probably one of the great Easter uh, psalms 
is Psalm 118. So yes. we'll get that a lot in liturgy. The stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, right? The cornerstone. So Jesus was rejected and now he's been vindicated with the resurrection. Is there another psalm that you recommend? You said Psalm 145. That's psalm a 145 one. I love. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 84. Mm. Psalm 84 is a pilgrimage psalm. Yeah. On the way to the temple, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord God of hosts. Mm. And I just love the idea of, in an Easter, right, that Christ, as Hebrews tells us, Christ has entered the true temple, of heaven, uh, and we're on our way there. Yeah. And what a joyful pilgrimage we have that we're on our way to the true temple that, that Jesus has entered um, in heaven itself, and we're on our way as spiritual pilgrims. And whenever I pray Psalm 84, mm. it just gives me a great sense of that joy. I love that psalm. You know, one of the Easter psalms for me is uh, Psalm 16 and Psalm 23. And everyone knows Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But uh, Psalm 16 is just a tremendous psalm. Uh, Peter will quote it. It gets quoted a lot in Acts of the Apostles. We're going to go through Acts of the Apostles. That's another spiritual book I would recommend mm -hmm. for Easter is to read Acts of the Apostles. And that's what the church is giving us in the first reading. But Psalm 16 is really powerful. You know, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. Yeah. And you show me the paths of life, fullness of joy at your presence. Uh, and at your right hand are pleasures for, and the word for pleasure there in the, and the Hebrew is the same word for Eden, because Eden means the garden of pleasures. And so at your right hand is pleasures forevermore. And so thinking about um, these paths of life, that's a powerful one. I love doing the Psalms. And they're learning to make the words of Scripture and of mm -hmm. the liturgy to make them our own. Yeah. Um, I, love, I love that idea. St. Augustine has that great sermon about how in this life we have... Um, a pilgrimage, but we have to keep singing. Yeah. Right? We have, to, we have to keep singing our way on our way to our heavenly homeland. That's a beautiful thing. So uh, adding song, listening to Christian music for, for joy would be a great discipline to say, okay, I'm just going to listen to, for the octave, Christian music, but Christian praise and really entering into that. The Psalms is a great thing. We talked about Acts of the Apostles is great spiritual reading. And uh, one of the questions that John asks is, you know, what was Jesus and the apostles doing for the 40 days before Jesus ascends? And then, of course, Jesus will ascend in 40 days, and then 10 days later, we'll have Pentecost. And Pentecost is really the end of Eastertide. Right. And so let's talk about that large framework of time. And John asks a good question. You know, what, what were they doing? Of course, we're imitating what Jesus is doing during Lent when he's fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. So how do we enter into what Jesus is doing during these appearances? Yeah, I think that's a good question. We don't know fully what Jesus is doing all that time, but he gives them many proofs of his resurrection. And he's, he's spending time with the apostles. And I think in many ways he's preparing them. For instance, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is going to talk about staying in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus is preparing us for the gift of the Spirit. Um, and we need to do that in our life. We need to call and prepare the soil in our, our hearts and our souls to, to make ourselves ready for a deeper outpouring of God's Spirit in our life. That's a great way to look at the Eastertide is preparing for Pentecost and the gifts of the Spirit and uh, kind of just reliving this life of Christ in the life of the, earth, the first Christians. That's a powerful thing. Well, in just the last minute or two, what, what do you recommend for people for any spiritual reading for you, you know, you mentioned the gospel narratives, some of the Psalms. Uh, Julie was asking the question, what, any books that you recommend for 
for a spiritual reading? I'm the worst person to recommend books. Everyone in my RCIA says, when Father Brian recommends a book, no one can read it. <laughs> I know, you love academic books, which I love too. I so, do. But we both like N.T. Wright. He writes yes. a lot of good things on the resurrection. He has um, a book, Surprised by Hope, yeah. which will be challenging to some people. Yep. And it'll, we don't agree with everything he says. Right, he doesn't see a place for purgatory because he's an Anglican bishop, yes. but he's a great biblical exegete, and he does a great job of, uh, you know, on Easter and uh, talking about that, doesn't he? He does, and I think the new creation theme in that book, but in the New Testament, praying about how God wants to make all things new. Mm. And so that's a great book for that, Surprised by Hope. Um, I think even looking at Revelation, at the end of Revelation, Revelation 21, with the heavenly Jerusalem, and praying about the heavenly Jerusalem breaking into this world mm. is a wonderful kind of spiritual thing to be doing during Easter. That's a great, you know, especially Revelation chapter 5. It's such a great yes. window into the, the victory of Jesus, as you talked about. So if you need to get more into that victory uh, of Jesus' resurrection, read Revelation chapter 5. There's some great music. Handel's Messiah has some of the great oratorios of the, the you know, celebration of the Lamb, and worthy is the Lamb. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really sung in heaven, and then we echo that song here. So I hope... Uh, Father Brian, thank you for joining us. It's, this time goes by so fast, it but does. it's good to just remind people of this beautiful season and everything that we have during Easter tide. So make sure you take full use of Easter. You still have the octave. The octave goes from e Easter Sunday to Divine Mercy Sunday, this next Sunday. So make sure you take uh, a special celebration each of these days to really resolve to live out joy and cheerfulness and to grow in the love of, and the victory of Christ Jesus for you. It's all pure gift. And again, I want to thank everybody for, who supports us in the Mission Circle, all of our benefactors. You allow us to have this kind of programming. So thank you for your support uh, monthly on the Mission Circle. It means a lot to us. And may the Lord bless and keep you. And may you have Easter joy for this entire Easter tide. God bless you. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.